0: The right optics, all the color, trends, and voices
1: from Silmo 2022.
0: Presented by Nick Koffer.
1: Welcome back to The Right Optics by Silmo, the podcast which brings you all the atmosphere, expertise and passion from this year's trade fair in Paris. The optical industry family has come together in the shape of thousands of visitors and hundreds of exhibitors, sharing ideas, doing business, looking to the future and very much reconnecting without the restrictions of the pandemic. In this episode, we'll hear from Silmo door winners Skuga from Sweden as they demonstrate to me the vision behind their smart eyewear technology. Talking of technology, VoxiWeb proudly tell us about their reading machine, which also won a Silmo Door and there's room for one more Silmo Door winner in this episode as Jason Kirk from Kirk and Kirk shows off their award-winning frame. Inspects will tell us why they're leading the way in retail innovation and C2C share the story of their brand which aims to save the planet while making great glasses. First, let's hear from this year's winner of the International Optician of the Year Award, presented at the very start of the Silmo award ceremony. I managed to grab Grant Hannaford literally as he came off the stage, having received his award. And to say he was feeling shocked is an understatement. He told me why he thought he'd won this award. It was a very strange
2: process coming to this point. I think if you had asked me some months ago what I could offer, I would have had one sentence and... Uh, But this process was interesting, it it gave me an opportunity to go and look back at everything that I've done and I've tried my absolute best, I think, in my career, uh, as long as it is so far, hopefully longer, to uh, deliver education but development in the industry as well. But we've also been lucky enough to work overseas uh, with aid work uh, in Nepal and Mongolia, uh, giving free eye tests, developing eye hospitals, these sorts of things uh, over in, in Nepal and Mongolia. I've also, I think, done my best to develop myself in terms of professionally so now we've moved beyond um, my original qualifications, i studied, got a degree in physics and pure mathematics and then studied overseas so I think um, these sorts of things have been developing and then since uh, a few years ago my partner and I we developed a a business double A double O and that's now aiming to develop uh, continuing education and training globally for opticians, optometrists, for all of us as an industry.
1: I'm conscious that lots of people want to talk to you, but I just want to touch on the the aid work. Two questions around that. What drew you to that? What was your driving force? And just give me a a little bit of a a wider idea of what it actually involves. So uh, in
2: 2001, I think I was just looking for who I was and what I was trying to achieve with being an optician and an opportunity came through the trade media to say there was a a, a camp, an eye camp going on in Nepal and I took a punt, I borrowed against my car, got my money, my ticket that way and flew over, actually met my wife Tao, who's just standing over there. (laughs) We met over there in Nepal working together and it involved um, running remote camps Uh, so we travel out as a team into areas in Nepal or Mongolia for example that weren't necessarily getting uh, any aid and providing free eye tests and free glasses as best as we could in that environment. So it that was my first trip. Um, I, I went along for many, many others after that and became the coordinator for a while. Um, and since,
1: yeah, I
2: think several hundred thousand people have benefited. So yeah.
1: And that's an incredible number, and you're clearly A, too modest and still shaking too much to to, to be able to say this yourself. However, everybody wants to make a difference. At some point, we all want to make a difference to one person, 10 people in your case, clearly hundreds and thousands of people, And, and you must be proud of having been able to make that difference. Well,
2: it was a really large team of people that did it. though. So um, I was a very small cog in a very big wheel, I think with that, but yeah, we did, we did work really well together. We do work well together and it's an ongoing project. Jason and he's, he's running things really wonderfully there now too. So, but it's, um, yeah, looking now, it, it is an odd perspective to have on my life thus well. Congratulations on your award, clearly
1: highly deserved and long may your excellent work continue. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. Silmo Winners
0: Silmo 2022 <muchos>
1: Jason Kirk, last time I saw you, was in a very quiet, very sedate studio. We were recording the first five episodes, well, you were recording the first five episodes of the Right Optics podcast. It was relaxed. Here we are in the middle of a very, very busy, noisy Silmo, and back to your day job, which it turns out you do quite well, you won a Silmo door at the weekend.
3: Yeah, it was was fantastic. We we work really hard. Karen Karen designs all the frames. um, Works really hard at creating something that excites people and inspires people. it's not just about the end consumer that's going to wear it. It's got to be something that helps the optician mark themselves out from their competitors. So, yeah, it, it's great. And it's lovely to be recognised by the industry. And Silmodor is a hugely important event. So, looking at this frame here, which sat, sat in front of us, t- tell me what you think the judges would have seen in it. I think there's, there's a level of innovation in there. The, the material is a uh, it's an acrylic. We're the only people in the world that hand-made frames from acrylic. So, straight away, you've got something that stands out from the crowd. And that allows us to have incredible colours that you don't find anywhere else and it also makes a beautiful lightweight frame that's comfortable to wear so straight away it stands out from from everything else that's being designed at the moment in the marketplace there's a nod to the past in a kind of a retro feel a sort of slight vintage without being a copy of an old frame, you've got a sense of the 1980s in there and at the same time you're doing something postmodern. you're you're designing new materials, you're designing new shapes that haven't existed before, how do you get the old and the new in there, how do you get something that reflects people's personality that's what we're trying to achieve Um, and thankfully the judges and all the various voters enjoyed it
1: and of course with with anything that you wear Mm -hmm. fashion frames whatever it may be when you're pushing the cutting edge it also has to have an element of the familiar and that's the game that you're playing isn't it so that you're, you're you're pushing the boundaries but also when we see one of your frames it kind of speaks of something that we that we know that we're comfortable with
3: that's absolutely right. People, people want to feel secure, but they also want to feel they're pushing their boundaries as well. Uh, and that's what we need to do because people are not going to go and buy glasses and spend money in difficult times when there's, things don't excite them, don't make them feel like they, they need to get off their chair or they want to they want to part with their hard-earned money it needs to be something really really exciting that's what the industry is crying out for right now excitement and innovation and it's not easy to do
1: i must thank you for the crash course you gave me in the optics industry i'm a journalist i'm a presenter it's not my industry when i watched you host those five episodes great guest talking about the industry everything you all said has been shown to be true here at silmo you talked about a sense of community Massively the case here, and I've really had that strong sense of a tight community. Uh, you talked about how some brands and opticians are a bit behind the game with social media. I've seen that as well. I've seen the the very conservative side to the optics industry as well, and and how there are there are they've got a lot to learn in terms of bringing the product forward as well. It's been really interesting for me to see the vision that you posted in those first five podcasts actually coming true.
3: Thank goodness for that. <laughs> It is true. It's an industry like all industries that has its challenges at the moment. The whole economy is is in a very difficult state and we have to adapt. We had to adapt through COVID and that was brilliant and the people who survived and even the people who thrived, big pat on the back for them, But the game's not over and there are more changes now. We move into a post-COVID era. That's another huge change. So people have to be... Um, open, ready, looking, firing from, from all angles, looking at social media, looking at their communication, looking at their product. You have to be totally 360. And to be 360, you have to be part of a community. It's so important. So I'm really glad that, that it, that's shown itself to be true at Silmo.
1: I must ask you, because you spoke a lot about trade fairs in the, in the first five episodes, the consensus between you and your colleagues was that they're really important and you were looking forward to Silmo. I'm talking to you on the last afternoon here. Has Silmo delivered for you?
3: So let's be really honest about this, okay? Silmo have done a great job in preparing this show. The visitor numbers are not what we would have hoped for. They're not at pre-pandemic levels, but let's be realistic. We couldn't have expected it to be a massively huge show um, that was was beyond everybody's uh, objectives and expectations. But the show has been important. It's brought everybody back together. We can see what's going on. We've shared challenges and problems, had the opportunity to discuss things with people. Yes, there's been business, there's been there's been good enough business, but I think what it shows is that we need these trade shows. We need to galvanize the industry. We need to have a clear direction forward as an industry. It, happens, it works at all levels, individuals, brands, and the whole industry itself. So yes, Silmo remains an incredibly important part of the optical calendar. You take a month off now, right? I wish I was. I'm straight off to America after this. Silmo
0: 2022. Hello, uh, my name is Fabien Chaneau. I'm the CEO of VoxiWeb. And winner of a Silmodor this weekend? Yes, we are very happy to, to win our second Silmodor. And this is a machine which, according
1: to the judges, really revolutionizes the world of, of reading machines. Reading machines exist, but this brings new things. Tell me, Fabien, what this does that is new? Ba-
0: basically, it reads text, but we detect uh, ends. So when you, are, you put your document under the machine, Uh, It detects hand, and when you remove your hand, it starts reading the document. Also, you can control with gesture. When you put your hand right above the document, it's going to play pause, and the left hand is going to rewind, and you can listen to previous sentences. Can it read anything? Can it read a book as much as it can read a phone, for example? It can read a book, phone, newspaper, and even uh, and writing, so it 's very uh, powerful
1: so looking at the device which is which is in front of me here, um, it is very compact you 're right it doesn 't look very bulky or heavy. Uh, sitting on top of it is well it looks like a smartphone it's it 's not exactly a smartphone is it well, what is that doing it 's a uh, brain of the products
0: so it 's going it 's uh, a gear um, with a camera so it 's going to there is a speaker and it 's going to scan the document, detect your hand.
1: So I, I can show you if you want. Let's let's take a document. I've got my press release here from the Silmodor, That's probably a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, so if I if I put that underneath like that, is that right? Yeah. Just just simply like that, and here. I I can actually see already it, it's appearing on the screen of the device as it would on a on a phone. So we place the the document in a way that it, it sits well between the two edges of the phone, and now my hand needs to do what? I'm not saying you just have to put the document, and it's going to start
0: reading. Machine sur lecture automatique activée. So now I. Put my documents under the Voxivision, uh, it's going to start
1: reading. So you have
0: right, oh,
1: do you think Fabian that this will change the life of people that use it? We hope <laughs> we've, we've
0: worked uh, a lot uh, very hard to, to make uh, very accessible and also it's a very um, advantage is the price, it's very accessible for. Edgery people with small income, so you can uh, be gear with the best of equipment for less money. Tell us where we can find Voxy Vision uh, online. Uh, our website, so voxyweb.com, and in France, to our uh, reseller, which is Optician. All the color, trends, and voices.
1: Seal 2022. Back in uh, Hall 6 here at Silmo in uh, ville Pan, where you've got a lot of the really large optics groups, uh, companies that own several brands, one of which uh, is Inspecs. I'm on their, uh, their huge stand here. And I've met Nick Yule, who is their innovations director. Uh, Nick, is it fair to say that, that your role, which seems like a little bit of a maverick role, if I'm honest, is a role of disruptor?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we like to lead um, in innovation. We like to lead in creativity. We like to be a little disruptive in the market. So although a lot of the majority of our group, um, we design brands, uh, design frames for brands, and uh, we sell them to large multiple retailers. We strongly believe that to have an innovations department really sets ourselves apart from our partners. We're willing to push boundaries. We're willing to look into Various areas like smart eyewear, uh, like recyclable materials, materials that don't even exist in our uh, in in our industry, and look to produce sustainable solutions for packaging. And, yeah, generally support other companies that are sort of startups um, because you never know where they're going to lead. Now, you might well enjoy leading the market and taking
1: risks, but the people you're selling to are notoriously conservative. These are large retail groups who have uh, a very defined heritage, a very defined pattern of buying, and a very defined clientele. So when you go to them, we can well imagine the groups you sell to, and you say, yes, I've got this in mind, is their first reaction usually one of, ah...
4: That's some really interesting questions. So this only this only happened to us just last week. So we were invited up to a sustainable conference uh, where it's just one of our uh, biggest customers, and we work actually in partnership. It's a really it's a really really great relationship actually we have with them. So they've invited us up to do a presentation on our sustainable um, ethics and our, our ESG. And one of the topics they asked me to discuss was about sustainable packaging. Um, so I took up three or four different. Projects. I produced it in front of some of our uh, competitors as well. We're very open. We're very forward, and you know we're we're open thinkers and we're very friendly as a as a group. I presented three different ideas, and one of them was a very safe route, one's a slightly more radical route, and the one that they absolutely loved was something which is quite crazy, quite wacky, quite out there, but I believe is a really strong solution. They loved it. They'd like us to continue it, but obviously the issues for a large company, a large retailer is taking that gamble and moving forward on their own. So they'd like us to develop it, sample it, trial it, and then talk to them. And they're very, very, very interested in us coming back to them. Because
1: of course the issue is, is one of scale. If you're a small independent optician and you take a punt on a range, or you take a punt on a model, uh, you could be a hundred quid down, a couple of thousand pounds down. If you're a, a major multiple retailer, millions of pounds down if there's a problem with the particular thing that you've offered to them so you can understand their conservative mindset
4: oh 100 absolutely they can and that's why they love working with us and that's why it's such a great relationship It's something that they really want to do they're so large that they're going to be in the press and they're going to have major issues if something doesn't work and it's uh you know it's a huge investment for them
1: is this about the importance of a brand showing that it's nimble I say brand, you have many brands, but is, the, is it the importance of a, of a business showing that it's nimble? And maybe many of your ideas won't actually see the light of day, but what you are showing to your major retailers is that you're not stagnating. And that in itself has a has a certain currency, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, you've, that's exactly it. You've hit the nail. I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> it, that's exactly what we want to do. I mean, our, our, our big partners and our big, um, you know, our big retailers that we supply... They have various other suppliers to them, and what we really want to do is uh, make sure that we stand out from the others and show that we've got another angle, another string to our bow, as we say. And most importantly, uh, we want to show, I mean, because we supply glasses to them, and, and in the same traditional sense that other companies do, we have an extremely good relationship, and that's fine, but we'd like to work with them on a different angle, so we like to come in as working with them as much as working for them.
1: I'm unable to sign a, a non-disclosure agreement for the thousands of people that will eventually hear this episode. So I'll ask you this question very carefully. Where, where are we going next? Well, what do you see as the as the next major innovations? What, what can you share with us?
4: I can see some new materials landing on the market which aren't currently in the eyewear world. Uh, something completely new, zero microplastics. It's eaten by... Uh, Bacterias, natural bacterias, I like to, uh, we're also looking to recycle garments um, in special ways, which uh, we're also developing that into eyewear and our packaging, we really want to take the world by storm um, and have a really big name like, wow, have you guys seen what inspects are doing? You won't believe it.
1: Listen, I've noticed something with you. you. You've been in the business for 25 or so years. You've almost created this role within the business. Uh, it was just you up until quite recently when, when you when you had a colleague. Uh, I'm guessing, you'll uh, that you have a huge amount of fun in doing what you're doing, and, and actually quite a lot of autonomy as well.
4: <laughs> yes, I do. I, I mean, I've worked here, like I say, about 24 years, and we've got a fantastic leader. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the mic. He's a great guy. He's a visionary. Um, and I've pretty much grown up with him, you know, and he's, he's put his trust in me now for so many years as a, a three-dimensional designer. So that's what I've been for about 18 to 20 years. And we get to a role whereby he knows and he recognises innovation. He, it's always been the cornerstone of his beliefs. So to actually appoint me as an innovations director and lead this company forward with, um, in creativity and, um, you know, in front of our investors, in front of our competitors, is a really bold move and one I'm uh, really pleased to say, yeah.
1: Listen, Nick, I'm about 30 interviews in. You're the first person to use the term visionary and to do it with a straight face. It's been really nice to chat to you.
4: Thank you very much.
1: Silmo Voices. Sat right in front of the Silmo Next arena is a very minimalist stand, at Skuga, from Sweden. It's not giving much away. I'm hoping that Daniel Erickson, one of the founders, will tell me a little bit more. Daniel, I see screens, I see dashboards, I see glasses. Your job is to join this all together for me.
5: Oh yeah, and we do that by, we, uh, we're creating a module that makes it possible for everyone to use their uh, ordinary design tools and ordinary production tools to create smart eyewear. So, we do not create uh, the eyewares, but we have a module that is very easily implemented into pretty much every design.
1: Now, let's uh, rewind a few steps. Smart eyewear. I can wear a smart watch, I have a, a smartphone. it drives me mad, but it's pretty smart. What is smart eyewear?
5: Well, uh, since this is kind of a startup product, uh, because we've had some pretty over-advanced uh, smart eyewear before that hasn't been so successful. So, What uh, made
1: it over-advanced, Daniel? Uh,
5: for example, uh, cameras and stuff which can be privacy-intrusive. So uh, instead, we are doing something that is uh, very much more robust and we are creating sensor data or collecting sensor data from you. And the uniqueness of this is, uh, one, the uh, motion sensing that we have is a lot more accurate than do you have on a watch, for example. And then also we have the environmental sensors, which just monitors your your surroundings. And we are actually, by doing this, you can, for the first time, uh, get a real data on what you've been exposed to during the day so carbon dioxide air pollution we're talking about uh, UV radiation for example but also humidity, uh, air pressure and so on. And all of this combined uh, makes it possible to do things that never has been available before.
1: Is this because, so say for example, I'm wearing a watch. Uh, That watch is dependent on my arm moving at a moment that I'm doing something. So if I'm taking a step, it's pretty dependent on the arm being part of that. I'm guessing that with your head, which is where your glasses sit, your head is involved in 99.9% of everything you do. Is that the logic?
5: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we can read a lot of things. Uh, even if the more data we have, the more we can tell about you. So, for example, uh, uh, a running app can say for sure that your left hip is, you know, you have a, a twist in it, and uh, so it will start hurting soon. Through the glasses? Yeah, through the glasses. Uh, Nowadays, I mean, you can tell it by having it on your chest. For example, RaceFox is a Swedish app that is uh, amazing in doing this but they consider it being like 60% precision there. Up, up here, we have more like 90% because we have the posture as well. What we're saying is that we're creating a kind of a sixth sense. So uh, we improve your life in a, in a multitude of, of ways. So, for example, uh, are you interested in skincare? Skincare is something that is extremely complex and it's a big industry, uh, but nowadays, I mean, it's more like estimates that they are doing. For the first time, they can get data real data that shows what you've been exposed to so you can get like suggestions what sh- sort of night cream should you use today because of the exposure i've been through today right
1: i want to become uh, digital i want to be part of that graph i want to i want my head to move what, what do we have to do here
5: <laughs> so uh here you have some nice eyewears uh, they
1: actually have lenses in, so my my, my world uh, has become yeah. a bit blurry yeah, suddenly. sorry
5: there's my I, I wear them every day uh, so what do i need to do what am i looking at so now we can see exactly where you're
1: looking. I should say, you've, you've pulled up your smartphone here. So this is just a, an app?
5: Yeah, it's an app. It uh, works in the background, reading the sensor data and, and sends it to the cloud. So uh, now you can see also the uh, uh, your head movements on the screen there, which is from the back end, from the cloud. Uh, totally GDPR safe. Uh, you're in full control of your data you own it fully what are all these
1: lines on the graph here? the yellow, the green, the orange am I, am I dying or something?
5: <laughs> no, it's just, it just tells you how you move your head and how much acceleration and how much rotation uh, you're, you're being exposed to come
1: and tell me what it's showing so we'll, we'll head over to the big screen here um, it certainly got me located in a big red button to the northeast of Paris so I think, I think we're in the right place
5: yeah, yeah, for sure and then we have the humidity here, so we're seeing that it's a pretty dry air in here. Uh, the temperature is starting to raise, perhaps that's something that you feel about. Uh, the pressure, we're now at pretty much the same level, but we stood up, so that's why... High pressure here at Silmo! <laughs> of course. Uh, then we have the carbon dioxide and also the indoor um, air pollution. We detect that. So for example let's say that you're an executive Uh, you're in a conference room Uh, the carbon dioxide levels are above 1500 ppms that means that you have a, a, a really reduced intelligence so by having this sensor always on you, you can make sure that you only take decisions when you are on your peak.
1: I have two elderly parents. Is there a, well they won't thank me for saying elderly, but I have two parents who are older than I am. Um, Is there a view where you would be having, for example, elderly people wearing these glasses so that their children, their relatives, their carers can know if they are mobile, if they are moving? You hear stories of people, you know, laying for a day or two days, having perhaps suffered a stroke or a heart attack and no one knew.
5: Is there a use for that? It's actually a very good use because uh, most people that are wearing like a medallion or, or a bracelet or something that has this emergency button, uh, they usually tend to forget that when they like, go to the bathroom during the night, but they always wear their, their glasses. And we have uh, fully implemented fall protection. So, for example, we can see immediately if, if someone falls badly. Uh, we can see if you are carrying the eyewares or did you drop them? and we can see like your movements and so on and by doing that we can also make it so it lasts for like a week or so so you don't have to charge it every night where do i find out more uh at skuga.com. s k u g g a dot com
6: silmo 2022 i'm francois vandenabeel
1: the founder of c2c looking around your your stand here at silmo francois It's clear what you do. Um, You make glasses from 100% recycled marine plastic. I've seen around the show a lot about sustainability and a lot of claims about sustainability.
6: What makes your product so different? Well, you know, it's funny because we've been doing this for five years. So I started this five years ago at a small booth, nine square meters with big pictures of dirty beaches. And we were the first one to do so. So today, talking about sustainability for us is not enough... Today, C2C is not about the material anymore. Why? Because you can produce so many frames with a thousand kilos of raw material, recycled raw material. So today, what we do with the C2C Foundation, we collect about three hundred thousand kilos per year. Can I just ask, when you yeah. say we collect, yeah. what does that mean? It means that we have the C2C Foundation, who's working in you know the developing world in Ghana. We have thirty people, for example. We're taking a project over in Cameroon, and it's it's all about creating impact at the source. Not about the raw material anymore. Why? Because the impact that you have with, you know, the amount of material that you use is really low, really low. So talking about sustainability today for us is not about the raw material anymore. You know, it was at the beginning where we started collecting waste in Spain, in France, and working with, you know, of ports where we're collecting but today it's more about expanding in these underdeveloped countries and giving a new source of income to these people that collect the waste for us added obviously to the environmental impact from the waste that being taken from the environment what's your story how did you come to this <laughs> okay well i grew up in africa you know I've, uh, I've, uh, i'm lucky to live by the sea of course you don't fall off your bed uh, Where were you exactly? In Barcelona, in Spain. So you don't fall off your bed and suddenly say, ah, I'm going to make glass of recycled material. No. This, the idea started six years ago. Helen uh, MacArthur, that you know, the famous skipper, said uh, at Davos for the first time, 2015, there's going to be more plastic than fish in the ocean, by 2050. So that's a big statement. I was following brands, more textile companies, that were starting to use recycled polyester to make yarn. And how about my first pair of glasses? at the time and I came back home and had you know this pair of plastic glasses and i had been in a conference of a great project called the ocean cleanup um, and another conference in Brussels organized by plastic producers on marine waste and I thought maybe you know maybe I can produce glasses with that raw material but I knew nothing about this business so I had to find a manufacturer uh, first I got in touch with waste management companies in Spain to see what was being done in the ports So basically, we start placing containers in the pores to collect the waste over there. And then when I knew I had the raw material, um, I was broke. So first I had to make sure that I could manufacture the product. So I wrote a few emails to Italian companies. I wanted the product to be made in Italy. And some laughed, some said it was not possible. So didn't care about sustainability or recycle or whatever. Had you even designed the product at this point? I knew nothing. I knew nothing about eyewear, nothing. And one company, TD, who I still work with, or just behind you, Replied to my mail. Some others have said, yeah, we can do it or try. But since we don't know the type of plastic you're going to give us, it's going to cost you so many thousands of euros because we're going to use the machinery for a few days. And I was broke. And Valeria replied to my mail and said, why don't we meet at Mido? So I went to Mido. And then I realized what this world was about. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, what is this? And she loved the story. Um, That was in March 2016. And uh, what happened? And I... Flew to Italy with 20 kilos of recycled plastic, which was quite funny because these little beads, took them in the plane, I got stopped at the, at the um, you know, the ch- and opened the bags. I don't doubt it for a minute. Even of course, <laughs> they was like, what is that? So I do frames, they didn't know if it was for bomb, or you know, it was like, but thank God they let me go through with it. And I got there to the factory, and uh, that's how it all started. We did three, it took us a few months to understand, uh, you know, how to obviously use the raw material, which raw materials, the different types of polymers they were using. And there, I knew the babies could be made. Slowly, things were starting to work, and when I, when the things I could not finance it myself, as I said, it bank account was almost close to nothing, and you know had to. So I did a crowdfunding, and we raised almost forty thousand euros, and that financed the first batch of production, and then. I had 2000 frames, you know, and I, it was three frames in six colors, sunglasses. And I went with one plateau like this, displayed to one optician, say, "Hey, this is my story. System. So one took one and second one. And where was Spain? They were saying "What's sustain or sustain what? Anyway, so and it started like that, slowly one, two, three, four, five and more. And then I did my first Silmo in 2017.
1: Here we are at Silmo. Obviously, you're here to, to sell glasses. Yeah. I have this little sense, though, that for you, almost the glasses have become secondary uh, you obviously have to run a business your business will fund the foundation but it feels as if your project has outgrown the product in a way is that a fair
6: observation it's uh, that's what I enjoy the most you know I enjoy going down to Ghana now we're taking a project out in Cameroon uh, I was at West Vision US last week and it went super well we're gonna start pilot project in Jamaica so it's all about you know we're financing education of rescued slave kids When we work in Ghana, the big problem with child slavery, in the fishing trade. So we're financing education for these kids. So I enjoy, obviously, more the impact that we have on the ground. Are all the elements on the same website if we want to find out more? So the website is www.c2c.org. S-E-A, number two, S-E-E. And that's it for these podcast
1: episodes coming to you from the heart of Silmo 2022 in Paris. Or is it? Well, watch out for a sneaky bonus episode where I grab a coffee with design legend Blake Kuwahara. It's a lovely chat, well worth 15 minutes of your time. If you subscribe to this series via your favorite podcast app, you'll hear all about that and future episodes of the series too. Don't forget to check out the first five episodes of uh, The Right Optics, where Jason Kirk spoke to five significant personalities from the optical industry. I'll see you for the next special episode. blake Kohara. for now from silmo 2022 it's goodbye from me